for those that are joining us um, for the first time, we're, we're going through the book of Ephesians, and today we've landed on Ephesians chapter 3. And so if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to actually going through Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. One of the things for us um, as we're, we're, we're doing this prophetic conference, it's actually very, very much uh, a strategic thing for us as a church in terms of the timing and how, how we're rolling things out. And, and so even today as we go through Ephesians 3, this is an encouragement for us as, as, as his church. And so just like the prophetic conference is made to encourage the church, our sermon series going through this particular sermon series, it, it, we couldn't dream of how much this fits into our current climate. And so as we, as we read today in Ephesians chapter 3, we're sitting here in 2020, and I just feel like 2020, everybody just kind of got hit. All the plans that you have had, all the things that you were planning to do for 2020, I remember when when we were looking towards 2020 and everybody's looking towards 2020, we're like, oh, this is going to be our vision year. This is the, the perfect vision year for us. And going into January was awesome. My family, even for us as, as, as a family, we went on this amazing vacation uh, in, in, in September before, before COVID hit. And we're just like, yeah, this is going to be a great year. We've set off 2020 in such an awesome way. And then all of a sudden, the pandemic hits, the entire world is interrupted. It's interrupted and all our plans are kind of shattered. We don't know what we're doing. Businesses that were set to have record years all of a sudden are going into bankruptcy. 2020 has thrown us into a place where we're forced to look at our lives and we're like, what is this? It just feels like everything was put into a blender and it was just, someone pushed a power and everything got messed up, right? We, we, we continue into 2020, we have the California fires, we have, we have the, the hurricanes, we have Black Lives Matters, we have all these things that are just bubbling up. And some of us feel like, what is going on? We're trying to learn new ways of working, we're trying to learn new ways of going to school. Things just seem like it's interrupted. It's almost like at this point, after being in co this COVID season for over half a year, that almost nothing surprises us anymore, right? It's like something else happens. It's like, of course, it's 2020. That's why it's happening. It's 2020. It's happening. And nothing just seems to make sense. I don't want to make light of the situation. I don't want to make light of what's happened in 2020, because I know that there are a lot of people that have lost, lo lost loved ones. People have lost jobs. Things are shutting down. Our finances are, 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 are not good. Our relationships are not good. People are getting sick. There's so many things where we just feel like, yeah, it's not good. And so I don't want to make light of it, but I want to bring an encouragement today from Ephesians 3 that Paul brings to the church in Ephesus. And so before we get into that, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are a God that knows all and is in everything. 
But Lord, sometimes when we come before our circumstances, we don't know what to do. So Father God, I just ask that you bring an encouragement to us today that we are able to look at who we are in Christ and that this encouragement for us takes us and sustains us through what we're going through this year. So Lord, we thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul starts off in chapter 3 with this. It says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ, on behalf of you Gentiles. Paul is, starts off this letter. We've already been reading through Ephesians, and, and, and Paul kind of takes a break in his letter and says, I'm in prison. Talk about interruption. Talk about having all these plans. Paul is ministering. He's planting churches. He's doing all these great things for, 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 for ministry. And he gets arrested and he's thrown in prison. And it's, we're, not, we're talking about being thrown in prison for years. Ephesians is one of three letters that he writes to different churches. So there's Ephesians, there's Philippians, and there's Colossians. Those three letters were all prison letters. Those were written in prison because he spent year, a couple of years in prison being un- arrested in, by, by the Roman government. And so talk about interruption in terms of what he is supposed to do Paul says, I'm in prison and I'm suffering right now. But I'm writing this letter to encourage you. How is Paul able to do this? So Paul says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ. And so he says, I'm in prison on behalf of the Gentiles. He goes on to say, I assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you how the mystery has been made known to me by revelation, and I have written briefly. Paul says, look, I'm sitting in prison, and I know a lot of you guys are worried about me. I'm sitting in prison. Everything everything that I have planned, everything that I've been doing, all my visits to you, all my visits to all these other churches, they've all been canceled now, okay? There's no way I'm getting out. I'm kind of on on a, a house rest. I'm suffering for the sake of Christ. And I'm put in a position where I actually don't like it and I don't want to be here, but I have no choice. And so that, for us, right now, for 2020, a lot of us actually feel that aspect of imprisonment. Not physically imprisoned, but imprisonment of, I can't do the things that I want to do. I can't do the things that I have planned for this next year. I don't even know if my plan is going to go through anymore because 2020 was my opportunity and now that opportunity is gone. And so we're, we're sitting here and we're, we're trying to figure out, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here. But Paul says, you know what, I understand. I am in a position where I am in prison and I am struggling. I'm suffering But Paul says, remember the good news that I have told you about. For those that have been with us for the last couple of weeks, we were talking in in chapter 2, Paul writes to us about this is your identity in Christ. That there's a good news that Jesus has come to fulfill, and that good news is that he is saving you from yourself, and that he has rescued you 
so that you could be with God, your Creator. That whatever sins that you have committed, whatever things that you have done wrong, whatever has separated you from your relationship to God, Jesus has come to make new. But not only that, Jesus has come to establish a new covenant that no longer is there separation of Jew and Gentile, that all are equal and all have equal access to God. And so Paul's like, remember these things though. Even though I'm suffering, remember what the foundation of how we put our faith in this new thing that we're calling Christianity. Because prior to that, there was no, no Christianity. It was just Jews and Gentiles, and Gentiles had to worship separate from the Jews. We talked about this last week, that they had these outer courts for the Gentiles that called the court of Gentiles to come into worship. They didn't have full access, and if you really wanted, as a Gentile, wanted to worship God, Prior to Jesus, as a Gentile, you would actually have to convert to Judaism and completely take on that culture in order to get that access. But now Paul is saying that Jesus has died. None of that matters. All of those religious barriers are gone. I am tearing down the walls in the temple and I'm giving you full access to God the Father. And now you're all equal. So Paul says, remember that. Remember that this is your new identity. Remember that this is where you come to know who God is. Okay? This is the gospel. This is the good news that we preach to ourselves every single day. This is my identity. This is who I am. And so Paul goes, remember this good news. You're saved by faith through grace. And now that you, I'm assuming that now that you understand that there is a stewardship that you have to hold on to, and there is a mystery for the purpose of all that it was revealed. Verse 4, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the Son of Men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers in the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. So Paul talks about this mystery, and he, he, he talks about this mystery a couple times. What is this mystery? Here's the thing, that when Paul talks about mystery, it's not the same understanding as what we have as mystery. Some, mo most often we think mystery is like, like Sherlock Holmes, like detective figuring out what's going on, and then you, you solve the puzzles, you piece things together, and you discover but what Paul's writing here is not that type of mystery. Paul is saying that the mystery, this mystery, is something that was not known. There's no way that you would ever know that this did not exist prior to the revelation that God has given me. So there's this thing that was unknown. Nobody knew about it. Nobody even thought about it. And then God reveals the only way that this can be solved is that God showed me, God revealed this to me. He brought a revelation to me. And it was only revealed because of the person of Jesus. If Jesus didn't do this, this mystery would never be revealed. This mystery will never be solved. But it is, this mystery is now revealed. So generations prior to this, nobody understood this. But now, because of what Jesus did, this mystery has been revealed. And what is that mystery? That mystery is that now Gentiles are fellow heirs, 
members of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Meaning that the mystery that is now revealed is that Jew and Gentile are now equal. Everybody has full access. So he's reminding the church, like, stop, stop having the segregation. Stop, stop doing what you're doing. Don't, don't, don't look at each other as if I'm better than you, you're, you're not as, or, or I'm not as holy as you because I'm Gentile, you're Jew. None of that. Paul wants to lay that out. You are now a new thing. A new thing in which we call the church, and that is what Christianity is about, is being what? In Christ. Right? Being in Christ. So all of this is Paul just laying down again and again and again, reminding us of who we are. This is something that we as Christians actually always need to do. We need to remind ourselves who we are. Because sometimes when we go through life, we forget our, our identity in Christ. Yes, okay, we're Christians, we go to church, we're good people, we do all these good things, and we get into this lifestyle of, okay, we're, we're Christians, we good, do good things, right, yeah, 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 we're, we're, but we forget the identity piece, the inside piece, that heart piece, the heart piece of I'm in Christ, so therefore, because I'm in Christ, I am His, that my life isn't mine to solve, my life isn't mine to figure out, but my life is under his control and his is surrendered to him and that God has a perfect plan for me. You see, there is a very small nuance in walking in that way compared to just walking as Christians and claiming that we're Christians because oftentimes as Christians, we still try to figure out how to live life by ourselves. We still walk on our own accord, and we still walk and plan things according to our own knowledge and not under the knowledge of God, and, and then a complete surrender to knowing that his plans are greater than my plans. So Paul is saying this is what Jesus came to establish. This is the new way of living, and that is now made for us to be in a relationship with God. Paul goes on to say this. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me through, I am the very least of all saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone that is the plan of that mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the internal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you to not lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is, which is your glory. Here's what Paul is getting at here. This is, this is the big picture. You have to know who you are. As we sit in 2020, we look at all things that we're going through. It could be financial. It could be relational. It could be a loss of people. It could be diseases. Whatever it is, we might just be feeling that overall sense 
that we're losing control. We could sit here and ask, why? Why is all these things happening? Why, why does my family member have cancer? Why did we just lose our baby? Why did we, why did we lose our jobs and now we're in a place where we're financially struggling and I don't even know how to feed my children or put food on the table? Why? Is this happening? But what Paul is saying here is that instead of asking why, we need to ask who. Who is Jesus and who are you in Christ? What is your identity through your, because through your circumstances and through the suffering, that these things, your circumstances and your suffering, doesn't establish your identity, but your identity will get you through the suffering. That my circumstance and my, my suffering in this current place doesn't establish who I am, because all that it does is it breeds anxiety, it breeds fear, it breeds doubt but that it is my identity, which is who am I in Jesus Christ? Who am I in Jesus? What am I doing in Christ? That's my identity that will help us get through our suffering. So Paul first points that out, and then he goes to say, I'm probably the last person that should be doing this. Paul calls himself, what does he call himself? He calls himself the chief of sinners, right? Because Paul, in, in so many ways, before Paul became Paul, what was he? He was a murderer of Christians. He went and he killed Christians. That's who he was. And so when Paul is writing this, he's just like, I'm probably the last person that should be writing this to you or, to, or even trying to encourage you in this because of what I've done. He calls himself the chief of sinners. And he's saying that, but see that this suffering and it's in that endurance that through all of this, I have gained that wisdom to help others. And so it is in us that sometimes when we're going through this process of suffering, and when you're going through suffering, sometimes you're just like, why do I need to go through this? We start looking internally about like, oh, maybe I've sinned, maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe God oversees me or overlooks me. But the reality is that God sees you when you're suffering. And as you go through your suffering, what you gain, if you see that suffering as I am in Christ and God has control in this situation, even though I don't understand it right now, that on the other side of this, you gain wisdom. And that wisdom is a testimony of who God is in your life. And that testimony then becomes something that helps others as they go through it. There are so many people in the church today that have gone through suffering. That's the reason why we every summer we go through a testimony series because those testimonies are for an encouragement of the church. 
that these testimonies give glory to what God has done in our lives so that it helps others see that God could do that in your life. That all of these stories repeat itself generation after generation until Jesus comes back. And that all of these things that we have to go through as a church is to bring a testimony of God's grace, greatness, of his grace upon his church. That we are in the consequence of our sin. But we don't have to suffer the consequence of our sin because of Jesus Christ. Paul goes on and says, look up at all of you gathered together as a church. This is God's extraordinary plan. This, what we call church, this is part of God's plan. It's part of his extraordinary plan that Jesus has come to execute is to be bold wherever you go. That whatever you're going through right now, as much as you are suffering through it, that you don't let that become your identity, but that as you see Christ in that suffering and, that, and in that endurance through it, that you gain the wisdom in helping others. Whatever you're going through now doesn't define your actions, but who you are in Christ defines who your actions. This is the wisdom of God. Because now God has given you credibility and authority to speak into those areas of suffering. That you become that mouthpiece to help others overcome. That the church then becomes an encouragement to the rest of the world. Where are you right now? Do you feel hopeless? Are you depressed? Are you anxious? Do you feel defeated? Do you feel like a failure? Are you suffering? All of these things are very real. And I want you to be able to say, it's okay that I'm suffering right now. It's good to be honest. 2020 sucks for a lot of people. That's the reality of it. It sucks. Paul isn't saying that I don't want you to grieve or I don't want you to be sad or I don't want you to be depressed. He's not even saying that I don't want you to not talk about it and hide it because that's what some of us do. We try to hide our bad parts so others don't see it. Oftentimes as Christians, we feel like to be a Christian, we only need to show the good side. That the test, our testimony, if we show anything different, is not a good testimony unto, unto Christ. But what Paul is saying that is that, you know what, I'm suffering right now. And actually to be a Christian and to live that life of honesty and to be honest with your emotions and to be honest for the world to see. But what Paul is also saying that, look, it's okay to say that life sucks. Yes, be honest and with the realities of life, but have a boldness that you could access Jesus through faith. That you have access to Jesus through faith. And because of that, don't lose heart. Don't lose your position in who you are. Know that you are a son. Know that you are a daughter. Don't lose that. It's okay to suffer. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay to be anxious. It's okay to have fear. 
but don't lose heart in it. It's okay to feel bad. I don't want the church to live this place in this place of like everything is always good because life throws curveballs and life sometimes makes things not good. That's okay. But what Paul is saying, as much as I'm suffering in prison right now and you're suffering in your afflictions, don't lose heart. That's the big message here is that you need to remain in God. What Paul is saying is that there's a lot of people watching you right now. They're waiting to see you fail. People want to see the church fail. They want to see Christians fall. And by saying that I'm suffering isn't the church failing, but it's the church going to the source that gives them their strength, that lets them move forward, that gives God the glory. As a church, we need to come into a place of just being real with each other. We need to look at those that are suffering in the church, our brothers and sisters that are suffering, and say, I am here for you as you go through this. That as I'm suffering, that I could come to you because I need help in this. That's what the church is for. That's the incredible position that the church has is that we are there for each other because of what Christ has done for us. For some of us that are going through some tough times right now, I don't want you to feel like you can't reach out. If you're struggling today, I want you to find a friend in your whether it's your cell group and your friend group, whatever it is, and I want you to talk to them and talk to them about the suffering that you're going through. Be open, be frank about it, and just say, hey, I need a friend to just listen right now. And for those that are friends that, that people are coming to, here's a challenge I want you to challenge you with. Don't try to fix it. Don't. Don't try to fix it. Just listen. Because all they, sometimes all these people need is someone to listen to them. Someone to just hold their hand and say, I am with you through this. Because you're not going to fix it for them. The only person that could fix it for them is Jesus Christ. So don't say anything. Just listen. Be that support. Be with them. Not everything needs a solution. Everything just needs Jesus. Jesus is the only solution for all of our issues, all of our problems, and all of our sufferings. And when we're able to come to this place as a church, as a church we start to begin to position ourselves in a new place so that the authorities could see that the church is different. I'm going to end off with a story here. When I was studying in Winnipeg at the University of Manitoba, I was going to a church. And it's a pretty big church, pretty well known in the in the city. And I was part of their their college and career group, and there was a, a young adult pastor there. And the young adult pastor has been there for for many many years, and during the time that I was part of that that group, something devastating happened. 
and that young adult pastor left his wife of 30 some odd years to be with one of the younger members of the college and career group. Just decided, I don't love my wife anymore. I love this young lady. And they ran off. Devastating, devastated the church. The college and career group was like in shambles. We didn't know what to do because everybody loved this pastor. But what came out of it as we look at this pastor's wife, she was devastated. She didn't know what to do. Her whole world came crumbling down. 30 years of marriage, no sign of anything going wrong. And actually, if you got to know them, you would say that they are the one of the most loving couples and that you would have never seen anything go wrong. But the testimony that came out of that was one of the greatest testimonies because when she finally came out to speak about the situation, she said this. She says, now I know how God feels. That when we just pick up and leave because things don't go our way and we decide to abandon our faith and just completely turn and not have any rhyme or reason or any, any excuses, we just say, God, I don't want you anymore. And we turn our backs and walk away. She says that I now know how God feels every single time I turn my back towards him. That's testimony. That is wisdom coming from only God himself. And she did not allow the suffering and the circumstance to define who she was. She found her identity and who Jesus was. And she looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, what am I getting from this? And Jesus revealed his heart to her. She continues today the college and career ministry. She is remarried now. I mean, I've graduated from university almost 20 years ago now. She is remarried. But the testimony that she gave through that suffering reigns so deep into, into who I am in this because it showed me that she found her identity not through the circumstances of what happened, but that Jesus spoke to her in a way that deepened her relationship and her faith with, with him. That's how God wants us to be. He wants us to understand that, yes, life throws curveballs. Life continuously comes at you with all these bad things. 2020 happened. You can't rewind it. Let's try to fast forward it, but you can't rewind it. But you cannot allow what you're going through right now in terms of the suffering that you're going through to determine who you become. As we look into the prophetic weekend this weekend, this is an opportunity for God to speak into these places. Sometimes we, we look at it and we're just like, God, how, what are you saying to me in this moment? This is our family time and in our encouragement time. So I'm urging you, if you haven't signed up, you need to sign up. Even if you don't get a prophetic word, it's not about you getting a prophetic word. This is about family time of encouraging each other to continue walking in Christ. Sign up for the prophetic conference. 
This is an opportunity for God to speak into the church, to speak into each other's lives and say, hey, let's do this together as a church. Can we do that? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. And though we may not understand it right now, Lord, that you are in control. Lord, we come to you just as we are, and we cast our anxieties upon you because we know that you care. And Lord, may your spirit just come and fall on your church today. To fall on your church, to encourage your church, so that the world may know who you are and what you're doing in this world today. So Lord, we thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. We'll see you guys next week.